Oh, well, well, it's a privilege always to, get, to be able to stand up and just share about it. I tell you, it's way different to emceeing. Emceeing, I don't, you know, it's a bit sort of up and down and you can, you can relax. When you actually bring in the word, it's getting a bit more serious now, right? Hello? Yeah, it'd better be doctrinally correct and saying the right things. No false doctrine coming out, all these type of things. But hey, look, um, in, in my early years um, as a young fella, um, grew up in church, and I always remember hearing the first time Sabbath. <clears throat> and my thought of Sabbath was it was some sort of bath. It was like a bath. That was in my, you know, my simple, simple sort of mind. And I don't know, I just put, you may not, I didn't actually say in the last service, but this is actually, that's Caleb at the front. You know Caleb that comes here? And that's his brother who was here as well. His brother didn't even recognise himself. And I'm thinking, what type of, and the far one's Anna who comes here as well. And that's my mum that's given them a bath. But baths, you know, I mean, shoot to the next slide, if you can. And that's out from Kafia, you know, where you can dig, they've got the natural hot springs coming through the sand there. I don't know if you've been there. If you haven't been there, try and get there someday. It's just fantastic. As you can see, super popular like hot water beach. Not. I mean, you know, often you might be the only person there, or there might only be, you know, another couple of people there. And you, so you've got the beach to yourself, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was my sort of thoughts about Sabbath when I was a young fella. I thought, is this some sort of bath or what's going on? But when you start to think about um, a bath, I mean, it's a very relaxing time, right? You know, and, uh, and most, most people enjoy a bath. I mean, I know some people don't, but most people like that sort of process of running the water and maybe putting in some nice bubbles in there, you know, um, you know getting into the bath, maybe blowing some butt. No. Um, but, you know, this whole process of relaxing, chilling out, getting, get, you know, just, it's, it's you know, it's like a, a hot tub, you know, a spa, it's just this place. And, and in a way, as, 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 as simple as my childish thoughts were of, of what the Sabbath meant, it, it is a bit like that. It's like this place where we are to stop, where we are to slow down, and it's very hard to be busy in a bath, right? You know what I mean? Like generally you're chilling out, you know, hopefully you're not making toast or doing things like that, that'll be very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so it's, it's, very <laughs> it's very much this place where you relax and you slow down. And this is this thought behind the Sabbath. Now, um, as I move forward, I want to just do a quick uh, synopsis or overview of what um, Ants has been talking about for the last couple of, past Ants over the last couple of Sundays just to get a bit of a foundation and, and, and just make sure I don't miss anything out. So, you got your seatbelts on, you ready to roll? No, we do. This is actually more talkative than all the other services. It's brilliant. Hey, that's thing, you know, I think it's a bit more, you're sort of like, you've done two services now, it's like, ah, oh, now I can chill out. Where's the bath? It'd be good to actually have a bath on stage. I could just be having a bath and talking from the side, you see? So anyway, a quick recap of the Sabbath. The number seven in the Bible tremendously... Uh, it's a huge deal. It's all over the Bible. It's from the start to the end. It's just woven through the fabric of the writings and the letters and the Psalms and the Proverbs and, and just everything through the Bible. It's an incredible number. The biblical number seven is connected with the idea of fullness or completeness, as we've been taught over the last couple of Sundays. So it's this place of, hey, you've made it. You know, you've got to this place where you want to get to, you know, it's a bit, I don't know if you've ever painted a house, I had a big villa up in Auckland um, for many years, weatherboard, painful, you know, but I had to paint it, 
you know, and, and, and it's just such a long, laborious process, but man, when you get to the end, there's just the satisfaction and also this thought, I never want to paint a house again in my life, you know. <laughs> but uh, so it's this place of completeness, getting the job done. So that's something I think we all long for. We all long for naturally as humans to find this place where we, can, where we feel complete, where we feel whole, where we feel fulfilled, where we feel like we've made it. You know, uh, not where we've dragged ourselves and we've just made it, but we've actually made it and we can sit down and sabbat or rest. Um, but as we know, the life is life. I mean, life goes a bit like this, doesn't it? I mean, you know, sometimes you can have some very restful times and think, man, that's, I'm at the top of the world, you know. I'm the top dog right here. And then other times you're right in this valley and you just think, man, I mean, what's going on? Is there even a God What's happening in my life? What's happening in my thought lives? What's happening in my relationships, in my workplace, or whatever it is? You know, there's, there's all, the, all of these things that sort of um, attack us. There's chaos, I suppose, of life um, where, where there's not this true sort of rest. So I'll just zap into the book of Genesis quickly here, and let's just kick into it. So in the book of Genesis, it starts in verse 1, and it talks about, you know, in the beginning was God, and it talks about this darkness and this disorder um, over the earth. And then God very quickly moves into this six days of, well, I don't know if it was quickly, it may, there's, there's some, look, believe it or not, some people believe that there was a thousand days between each day of creation. You know, there's a lot of different thoughts along those lines. And I mean, who, who knows? It doesn't really matter. I mean, God did the creation, but um, he goes into these six days uh, to bring about this light, this order, and this life so humanity can flourish, right? and prosper in this garden place. And uh, each day is marked with the phrase, as has been said the last few Sundays, there was evening and then was morning, and then on the seventh day, hey, something really special happened. The God of the universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Yahweh, rests. I mean, can you believe it? I mean, I just struggle to even comprehend the thought of the creator of all actually resting and stopping. But this is how special this day is. Um, he, God rests. So where was I in my notes? Uh, here we go, here we go, here we go. Uh, yeah. So can you imagine in your own life the best day, the best day of your life? Now, some people might say it's, it was their wedding day. Some people may say, no, my wedding day wasn't my best day. I don't know. Some people may say, like for me, I've had some incredible days. You know, I look, I look at some times where I just thought, man, it's just like, you know, God is shining down on my life. Everything's perfect. The weather's right. The birds are singing, you know. And you go out, maybe it's, for me, a day of snowboarding, you know, 20 centimetre of fresh pow and snow's falling and just carving down that mountain, looking out over Wanaka and almost crashing because it's, it's just too good to, to believe, you know. You're just in this incredible creation and everything's perfect, you know. And then you do a tomahawk, you know, and that's when you dig the front of your board into the snow. Then you just go over like this and you'd think you'd hurt yourself, but you actually, because there's so much snow, you're just rolling it and you're just laughing. You know, he's laughing and it's just like, I just look at days like that when it's just this perfect day. You know, days where I've, I've been out hunting in the bush at times down out, out the back of uh, Purirua and I've uh, woken up and just gone outside and you just hear the birds singing and there's just this crisp, 
the smell of just pristine bush, you know, and you're listening for the, the roar of the stag thing. I hope I hear something this morning. But it's just this, this, just this day, you know, you just remember. It's just ingrained in your memory from, for many years because it's just one of those days, right? Um, so this is what the seventh day is all about. It's about this, this, this pinnacle of all days. I think you get my drift, yeah? Do you follow me here? I think, I, think we're, I think we're going down the same track. So on the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Now, I mean, there's a, another big one there. I mean, can you believe it? God wants us to rule. I, I still can't get my head around that one. God wants us to rule with him forever. This is the design that God has got for our lives. Like, I mean, I struggle to butter my toast in the morning sometimes, you know? Yeah, God looks at my life and says, this is where I want for you, son. I'm going, what? You know what I mean? I mean, it's hard to get your head around. It's hard to get your head around this, um, this belief that God has in us, his creation. You know, this is how high he holds us in his esteem. It's an incredible thing. Incredible thing. Um, so as we know, it goes on, the humans are deceived by the serpent, by the snake, by the devil, and they get exited out of this pristine garden, this epitome, the seventh day of just absolutely awesomeness, and uh, they get pushed, pushed out, and then it goes through this process that they have to till the land, and they die and return to the dust. But God, in his omnipotent mercy, wants to restore humanity again. Uh, the seventh day rest, he chooses to give the family of Israel. But wait, there's a problem. Israel are in Egypt at this time. You know, they're under this oppressive Egyptian empire. They are beaten down. They are smashed, man. They are making bricks, more bricks than you could, you know, poke a stick at. These guys were busy. You know, it wasn't a good place to be. But God, once again, you know, in these dark times in our life, this is often when God steps in, right? But yeah, they often say you don't really appreciate the things of God in the good times. You know, on that perfect day for you, you know, often you just sort of, it's so good, you're just rolling along, right? But when you're in the low times, that's where, hey, God can really start to move. And, uh, and he starts to move through this, this nation of Israel. This family of Israel <clears throat> brings them out of Egypt from the darkness and chaos. And while on, on, on their way now in the wilderness, they find themselves again in this wilderness place. You know, in the desert. I mean, not the best place to be in your life, I don't think. Um, you know, I can't imagine it being that fruitful in the desert, being able to grow a nice garden. I mean, all, you know, all of these things. It's, it's, a, it's a harsh environment, any desert. Um, I mean, hello, they make sandpaper, you know, for rubbing down houses and villas in Auckland out of the, out of the desert. You know, this is, this is the type of place it is, abrasive. Um, and, but God, God starts to teach them in this place. He wants to restore that seventh day rest. He chooses Israel. He gets them out in the desert. Life is a struggle. And then God starts speaking to them about this promised land. So the question is, how do you practice this future rest when you're in a wilderness place, right? You're in this desert place. Um, it's not the best environment. Well, every seventh day, they had to stop, God told them. Stop their work. In Hebrew, this is the Shabbat. How, how our past answer has been teaching us. And so they can rest and enjoy God's good world, live in the ultimate rest, and uh, that, that ultimate rest had come. The Sabbath 
was celebrated every week on the seventh day. But wait, there's more. Seven festivals were also rolled out at this time by God, who you know, might know of them, and Israelites practice these every year. Each one anticipating that the seventh day of rest, this awesome day, this day of where you want to get, um, saying, you know, this, this is what was all anticipating the seventh day of rest. So anyway, every seven years, the Israelites liberated the slaves, forgave their debts, let the land rest for a while, a whole year, and then every seven times seven years, as you can see, there's a seven number again, um, there was a, a, a year called the year of Jubilee. And this was an incredible year. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt or blown it, you know, in whatever format in life, they'd, they'd, they'd lost the plot, they'd lost it all, it was all restored back to them. I mean, hello? I mean, can you even imagine that sort of thing happening in this day and age? You know, someone that lost a farm 50 years ago, all of a sudden, oh, it's a year of Jubilee, I'll take my farm back, thank you. I mean, it's just... You know, this is this jubilee, this is the seven, seven times seven uh, jubilee that um, God uh, put into the Israelite nation to, to, um, to follow. Now, seven up. Anyone had seven up before? Yeah? Seventh heaven. You ever been to the seventh heaven? Have you experienced the seventh heaven experience? I mean, it could have been, I don't know, Lars and Peter of their first kiss. Was that like seventh heaven to you? don't know they laugh they're looking a bit embarrassed but anyway I don't know you know everyone has these you know these incredible sort of you know highlights you know little things think man it felt like seven heaven that was just fantastic whatever that thing was for you um, so this this seventh number is actually ingrained more than you think in, in into our societies and, and ways we talk and little statements that we make not so much the fizzy drink of course although seven up isn't too bad um so, uh, they got everything restored, pointed to this hope of the future rest, and when the Israelites went into the land for this process, guess what happened? Well, they started going back into darkness and chaos, stopped following God, and then the oppressive empire of the Babylonians came along and took them all out. And so all of a sudden now they're in this darkness and chaos again. See, do you notice a bit of a pattern going on here? You know, I mean, I see this in my life. Don't worry about it. I'm not pointing the finger at these guys in the story. I'm thinking, man, I've seen this in my life. You know, you go through these sort of highs and lows and, and let's be real. You know, we're humans. We struggle with things. Um, so they were exiled. And then, and then, but in God's grace, God's mercy, once again, he started pointing them towards something and he rose up prophets and they started to prophesy, started to speak about something that was about to come, all right, which is pointing to the seventh day. And uh, so all the prophets started speaking, but this is over a, you know, a large period of time. And even though the prophets were talking about this Messiah that was to come and all of these different uh, prophetic statements, I mean, it wasn't like it happened the next year or the next 10 years. We're talking like hundreds of years. Between, you know, I mean, people in the day would have looked at these prophets and said, ah, oh, false prophet. You know, your prophecy hasn't come true. But, hey, God sees and works a bit differently to our understanding, and I'm thankful for that, <laughs> you know. If it all happened how we wanted it, it would be a bit of a messy place, I tell you. 
So, they were, um, so these prophecies came, generations go rolling past. Then in this dark, dark spot, uh, as we know, the Romans were sort of ruling the world at this stage. Guess what? I know you've guessed it. Jesus stands up. He stood up not on the fifth day, not on the sixth day, but on the the seventh day, the day of the Sabbath. He stood up, took the scroll of Isaiah, and started to speak about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, started to speak about slaves being set free, started to speak about this ultimate year of the Jubilee. And uh, everyone in this Jewish audience, like seriously, if you were sitting in that place, everyone would have known what he was talking about. And they would have been thinking, wait a minute, what is this guy saying here? Is this guy saying that he is this person? Um, You know, he launches his public ministry this day, talking about this jubilee experience. He claimed that the seventh day rest would come through him. I mean, what? Imagine being there. Picture yourself being in this this place where Jesus stood up and grabbed the scroll. I mean, it's easy to read things in hindsight and know the end of the story, right? But imagine being there on that day. You know, you've come together in this synagogue, this gathering of people, that the Jewish, Jewish is basically like the churches today, the gathering of the people, and this guy stands up and starts reading these ancient prophecies from the book of Isaiah and talking about this jubilee, then saying, man, I'm the fulfillment of it. What? You know? I mean... I'm amazed they didn't chase him out the door. But anyway, um, so he confronted. He confronted disorder and darkness and all its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, uh, even death itself, right? This is, this is what Jesus did. Um, but then, what happened? Well, Jesus was crucified. But catch this out. Jesus wasn't crucified on the first day, the second day, third day, fourth, fifth. He was crucified on the sixth day. Then he was put in a tomb, which was the Sabbath. And what did he do? He rested. You know, this is, this, this is how ingrained it is right through the bottom. It blows your mind. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a pretty cool thought. You know, like you think about, I think it's Joseph of from He said, look, I need to get his body off the cross because we can't leave it hanging up there because they couldn't handle dead people on on the sabbath the jewish it was wasn't part of their part of their rules and regulations you see so man a real cool thought there so like the first day of a new week like the first day of a new creation jesus resurrection was like the first day of this of this god's light and life broke into the darkness because of the resurrection we have hope in god's promise and future rest um even though it's like we're still in this wilderness where we experience struggle and pain, you know, we go through the highs and the lows, you know, there's still sickness and disease and things like this happen. Um, you know, we go through this, this, this experience of humanity on planet Earth. But as we journey towards this ultimate seventh day, we can experience this real rest now. And how Ants finished up last Sunday, he said, how Jesus said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, for I will give you rest. So here's this Jesus saying it himself here again. I will give you rest. You know, I am the fulfillment of the seventh day. So what does the Sabbath mean for us today? This is the question. Is it a bath? Well, no, it's not a bath. Um, Here's some thoughts from a guy. um, Oh, look, about 
15 years ago, I went into the steaming nightclub in K Road in Auckland, and it was absolutely cranking. My mate invited me along, and he said, look, there's, there's this band playing, Mattis Yahoo are playing. And, uh, and I said, oh, I've never heard of them. I didn't even know what it meant. Um, we turn up, and it's this Jewish guy playing this rocking reggae music, uh, just incredible uh, three-piece band, and the place was just crammed, and just everyone was just, you know, just getting into it. You know, and this guy, uh, has got, and the band's name was Mattis Yahoo, right? So it's nothing to do with this statement right here, but there's just a little segue, because I like telling that story. So this guy, Mattis Yahoo, he said, the seventh day is a Sabbath um, of Yahweh. This is uh, um, uh, Mattis, Mattis Yahoo Sabbat is, is the guy that said this. He was a... Um, you know, he was around several hundred years ago, and he wrote this about the Sabbath, all right? So the seventh day is the Sabbath of Yahweh, which is the name of the Jewish God. Um, one day out of seven, the Israelites renounced dominion over his own time and recognized God's dominion over it. One day out of seven. Every seventh day, the Israelite renounces his autonomy and recognizes God's dominion over his life. I mean, that's a bit of a thought there, eh? I mean... You think about time, you know, everyone's working to earn time, to make time, to save time, you know, to save, save for retirement so you've got money for your time, you know what I mean? I mean, the whole world revolves around this time thing. And, and this guy's thought is, you know, we think we're our own, own sort of island in a way, eh? We think we've got it all together, we're the ones in control, you know, um, you know I mean, often I don't think I'm in control, don't worry. But, um, you know, th this is how we sort of process in our mind. You know, we, we think that we're the sort of ones that sort of organise things. This is happening because we did this, and that's why that's going to happen. Um, and, and he's really saying, well, our autonomy or who we are and who we think we are, we need to recognise God's dominion over him and place some, si some time aside. So, I mean, it's a good thought. Think, think about that. Meditate on that. Um, so anyway, moving on. Something about Sunday. Early Christians largely continued to pray and rest on the seventh day, but soon also observed the Sabbath uh, on the Sunday. Uh, sorry, soon, soon also observed the Sunday, the day of the week on which Jesus had risen from the dead and on which the Holy Spirit had come to the apostles. That was 50 days after the, uh, his, his crucifixion. That's 7 times 7, 49 and 1, makes 50. So that's when the Holy Ghost fell and the, the church started, right? The, the early church fa father, he's around about 300 um, AD, he stated that Christians, the Sabbath had been transferred to the Sunday. Now, I know it's a bit contentious, but let's just move forward. Um, Acts 20 verse 7 says, Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, notice the first day of the week, which is a Sunday, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You guys got a bit of time on your hand today? Or? Imagine that. You, she wants to wait till midnight. <laughs> it's going to be a long sermon. Um, so we see this first day of the week thing was happening in the early church, but they were also celebrating Sabbath. So it was almost a crossover at that time. Um, from history, though, catch this out. This is cool. Um, even the Romans had their hands full, full on this day. This is an excerpt from a letter around AD 111 from Pliny the Younger. Can everyone say Pliny the Younger? 
Now, it sounds like a sort of a uh, sort of name, sounds a bit weird, I know. His father was called Pliny the Older. Believe it or not, he was. They're very simple in the naming back then. But he was the governor of northwest Turkey, and he was a personal friend of Trajan, the emperor of the Roman Empire. This is the superpower of the world, all right? He was a personal friend of him, and he was controlling, basically, uh, West, western Turkey area. And he wrote this letter to the emperor, and he was saying about his challenges dealing with Christians who would not worship the emperor because they, they basically forced to worship, worship the uh, emperor um, and also the Roman gods. And, and this is how, I'll just say, read a little bit out of it. It's quite interesting. I in- interrogated these as to whether they were Christians. Those who confessed, I interrogated a second and a third time. As you can see, the Romans liked interrogating people. Um, threatening them with punishment. There were others uh, I possessed of the same folly, because, but because they were Roman citizens, I signed an order for them to be transferred to Rome. Interesting, eh? Like you read in the Christian letters, Paul, uh, you know, because he was being sentenced to death, and he said, no, I want to go to Rome. Because as a Roman citizen, this is how it worked. You had to actually be, had your final trial in Rome. You could actually, you know, talk to the highest powers of, of the actual commonwealth at that time because of your citizenship. Um, now, we'll carry on. Now, they asserted, this is carrying on in this letter, they asserted, however, that the sum, I've taken a little bit out of here, by the way, they asserted, however, that the sum and the substance of their fault or error has been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn. So you guys have got it easy today. We should have been here at about 5 a.m., all right, starting, and going to midnight. Oh, man, that's a big day. Before dawn, and sing responsively a hymn to Christ as to God, and to bind themselves, that's an, a little g, of course, because this is, this is the Roman, he didn't acknowledge Christianity, and to bind themselves by oath, not to some crime, but not to commit fraud, theft, or adultery, not to falsify their trust, nor to refuse to return a trust when called upon to do so. When this was over, it was their custom to depart and to assemble together, uh, assemble again together, to partake of food. That's good. Now, I like that part. <laughs> so it's really interesting, this guy writing this letter, this is, you know, this is, you know, what, 70 years or so after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, and he's writing this thing from, we're talking about Western Turkey, so nowhere near the Middle East. So this shows you how much, actually, Christianity had spread in a very, very short t- period of time. And catch this out. This is the very last part of this letter. Um, he said, even this, they affirmed that they had ceased to do after my edict by which, in accordance with the instruction, I had forbidden political associations, because they had considered Christianity almost a political association, I think. Accordingly, I judged it all the more necessary to find out what the truth was by torturing two female slaves who were called deaconesses. So, you know, the elders and deacons in the church. So we see, that's pretty radical, man. So we're saying there, was, there were, there were uh, female Christian leaders who were slaves that this guy was about to torture back in those days, which was an incredible thing because it was a male-dominated society. You know, I mean, we hear, you know, we hear the story, you know, some of the truths of why is the gospel correct, um, and, and, and it's because it goes against the grain of everything, you know? Women, the first people at the tomb, all of these type of things where women are involved, and generally any writer back in those days, if they were writing, they would have never included women in the story, hardly at all, because this is how they used to write, because it's a male-dominated society. 
right to the very top of the Roman society, we had to worship the main man as, as, a, as a god. So that's, that's, that's a cool thought. So what's my thoughts on, on this, uh, this Sabbath thing, this, this day of rest? Well, all I can really do is tell you what I've experienced. I grew up in a church, and, uh, you know, my parents, um, who were actually here in the first service, they set apart Sunday to be about the house of God. That's how I grew up. Every Sunday, we were picked up, we, you know, we were taken to church, we were dressed up to the dines, don't worry. It wasn't slap some clothes on, man, they were up early. It was all flipping happening. And, uh, and if it wasn't happening, you got a sharp kick in the butt to make it happening, all right? You know, cold morning like this morning, get out of bed, you know, you'd be crying and wailing like most kids do. I don't want to get out, it's cold, and mate, they'd get you out of bed, don't worry about that. And so I just, my earliest memories are crawling under the seats in church, you know, writing things, drawing pictures, playing with toys, occasionally getting a stern look from mum when I've started making too much noise. Um, Earliest memories uh, was wondering why they were singing about concrete in church, and later on discovering that they were talking about Jesus conquering the grave, but just in my simple, you know, young fella didn't know the difference, you know, I didn't know what was going on. Communion, this weird thing where they passed around one goblet, everyone partook of it and had this big lump of bread and sort of pulled the bread off and, and you know, handed it around and, and, and to my delight later finding out, flip, it was actually alcohol and as a teenager we found where the port was hiding in the church and we had a few nips. And, uh, you know, just, just you know, these, these are some of the memories I had growing up. You know, going to, going to um, Sunday school a bit later, learning about God, um, learning about, um, you know, how he works and moves in our lives. Um, and, look, in Proverbs, if we could slip that slide on, Proverbs 22, verse 6, this is just, can I just encourage you, if you have any sort of influence on any child in your life and your family, in your uh, circle of friends, um, this says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. And uh, if I can, see, I've got Lennon Tui's legacy, I sort of stand there because that. Can you flick to the next slide? Is there a picture there? That's my mum and dad. That's at my actual, my brother's wedding. They're both in their 80s, um, loving God, going to church. And, um, you know, I just stand here and, and, and cannot, I, I cannot um, encourage you enough is to take time for the children, take time for the young ones, invest into them, you know, even if that's your whole mission in life. Um, because I know... You know, what I love about this verse is, you know, everyone has to find God for themselves, right? doesn't matter how old you are. You, can, you can't ride on your parents' coattails or your uncle's coattails or your teacher's coattails all your life. You know, you, at some stage you have to have this experience. And, and I know I sort of, you know, grew up in church and then went out in a bit of a dark path for quite a while and, you know, I've ha- and have, my, have had my ups and downs since then as well. But I'm encouraged and, and can I encourage you is that, you know, this doesn't necessarily say when they're younger they'll follow. It talks about when they're older. And I think it's almost like people have to find their way, you know. And it, it could be the, the way of the devil for a while. You know, people, you might be given up, but don't give up. You know, God is a God who's, when the word's sown in there, that's imperishable seed that goes into those young children and your children. So just keep, keep, that, keep that word, keep the discipline, keep getting into it. Ah, yeah. So, and, and you know, my last sort of um, great memories from when I was growing up, thinking about Sunday, was 
is after church too. We used to always go home and have a full cooked meal. You know, it was like a roast meal, man. That mum would, you know, put the timer on the stove. And I don't know if people do that these days. I'm not sure. But anyway, maybe slow cook pots. Do you do it? I'm coming to your place for lunch. Um, yeah, but I just remember hanging out, and they would always invite people along. You know, it was never us. It was always if there was a stranger that had come to the church or, or a neighbour or a missionary, you know, or anything, you know, that it, was that, it was just part of Sunday for me. It, was, it wasn't a separate thing. It, it just sort of flowed from one into the other. And um, that's cool. And, I, and I, can I just knock on to um, Acts 2.42? We'll just sort of draw things to a close. Um, this is how the early church, church looked in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continually, daily, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having uh, favour with all the people. I like that, having favour. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It's, look, it's not rocket science. Eh? I think this, like to me, it's about we've just got to let God's presence be on earth as it is in heaven, just like Jesus commanded us to pray. You know, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, let your presence be on earth as it is in heaven. And this is this seventh day. This is the sort of fulfillment of, of Jesus coming where he's bringing this rest and this reconciliation and this healing. Um, I'll just finish with this. Is this... This is what I'm talking about here, is it's the fellowship of Christians, this caring for one another, this teaching of the Bible, the breaking bread, communion, prayer, healings, miracles, salvation, rest in capital letters, looking after one another, renouncing your autonomy, getting back to Matus Yahoo, Sabbat, renouncing your autonomy and recognizing God's dominion over your lives. I believe if we do this type of thing, then watch because God will start to grow the house. God will start to grow your family. God will start to grow your workplace. Wherever you are, it's the, it's the outworking of the blessing and, the, and this, this wonderful thing that we've entered into through Christ.